Welcome to How I Work, a show about the tactics used by leading innovators to get so much out of their day. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imber. I'm an organizational psychologist, the founder of innovation consultancy Inventium, and I'm obsessed with finding ways to optimize my workday. Before I get into today's mini episode, I have an exciting program launching on October 21, which you can be part of from wherever in the world you're listening to this podcast from. The program is called our Workday Reinvention Program, which is something I've been working on at Inventium for the last two years. So it's a six-week program designed to reinvent the way that you work. The program contains a whole bunch of science-backed ways to have a more productive, fulfilling and happier work life. And we've gotten some amazing results from the program so far. Not only have we increased people's productivity by around 22%, which is nearly one day per week's worth of extra time, but we've also increased people's engagement, energy levels, job satisfaction and even general well-being at work by up to 28%. And that's just within six weeks. So if you're a listener of How I Work... Go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Workday Program. That's bit.ly forward slash Workday Program. And listeners of How I Work can get a $75 discount on the cost of the program. Just enter the code How I Work. That's one word, How I Work, at checkout and get that discount. And I'll link to all that in the show notes too. So the program starts on October 21. And if you're a listener of the show, I think that you'll absolutely love this program and get a stack of value from it. So this episode is another My Favourite Tip episode. The title's probably pretty self-explanatory. It's about my favourite tip from each of the interviews I conduct. I use this format because I sometimes feel myself as a podcast listener that I just want to get in, get the most amount of value from an episode and then get out. So I attended TED 2019 uh, earlier this year in Vancouver and recorded a bunch of interviews with some very inspiring speakers and attendees while I was over there. Priya Parker was one of those interviews. So Priya teaches people to gather better at home, work, school, and in our communities. She's the best-selling author of The Art of Gathering, which is one of my favorite books, and is also a strategic facilitator with a background in conflict resolution. Her company Thrive Labs has worked with organizations as varied as MoMA, the World Economic Forum, and the International Finance Corporation on strategy, vision, and purpose. Now, in this extract, we talk about Priya's approach to meetings with clients and the role that language plays. I want to talk about some of the gatherings in your life. And, and, and I'm interested like in the concept of a sales meeting. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you do a lot of facilitation for all sorts of companies all over the world. And I know one of the things that you talk about in your book is that you can't have a gathering defined by a category. So by nature, sales meeting is not a real reason to gather. But I'm curious, like for for meetings where you're meeting with a new organisation that you may or may not be working with, how how do you kind of plan for that form of gathering? Well, the reason why you don't start with a category is because categories usually come with scripts in our mind. So sales meeting, I get an image of I don't know, a bunch of people in suits kind of trying to sell something. And <laughs> yes. I'm wagging my fingers, which your <laughs> listeners aren't going to hear. Um, and so even with a sales meeting, I would first ask, what is the purpose of this meeting? Is it to uh, make a relationship? Is it, is it to begin a long-time trusted relationship? Is it to uh, sell a product by the end of a 60-minute time together? Um, is it to... 
make people cognizant of a problem they had that they didn't believe there was a solution for. Right? Those are very different purposes. And often, whether it's a sales meeting or a uh, leadership offsite or a orientation, new employee orientation, we assume that the category gives us our marching orders. And so with a sales meeting, regardless of what, what it was for, I would first ask, uh, I mean, ideally both sides, but if you're the host, what is the, your desired outcome for this meeting? And not have lines in your head of what that has to look like. Can you give me an example of maybe a meeting that you've had, like, let's say in the last year, of the, you know, the first time that you met with an organization that was potentially going to be one that you work with? Like, how, like what your preparation process looked like for that? Well, so I'm a, I'm a group conflict resolution facilitator, right? So um, I tend to work with organizations and companies uh, when, when somebody realizes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so my sales pipeline looks very different, which is, yes. oh God, please help. <laughs> um, and what I do in my first meetings, and the majority of my meetings, to be honest, are telephones, telephone calls, in terms of sales meetings, because my, you know, I, what I, my service is to help people diagnose their challenge or problem and figure out how to design a gathering that would help them address that problem. And so, for example, if an organization wants to rethink how they fundamentally pay their partners... And it's a very complicated thing to change, not only from a financial perspective, but from an identity perspective. I would think about in my first few meetings with them, whether they, or not they wanted to bring me in to facilitate those conversations. I'm really thinking about how are they answering my questions? Are they honest with their answers? Are their answers too perfect are they trying to sell me on a perfect organization, which in, in which case they don't need my services? And so a huge part of my goal when I work with organizations or groups is to see if there's fit. Mm, and so what, are, like, what else are you listening for to, to see if there's fit? I listen to the language that they use. Um, to describe their challenges or their culture. I listen to see if whether or not they use active voice or passive voice. Um, so, for example, every year we have a conference versus every year we host a conference. There's a very subtle difference, but we host a conference assumes a certain level of agency, whereas we have a conference assumes some level of inheritance. This is something that happens all the time. This exists I don't know if I really want it to exist or had any decision on making or fact that we host this conference. And I listen very closely to the language that they use to better understand how much power they perceive having over the things they're talking about. That's fascinating. I love the subtlety in that. Like, what's another example where you're using language to get really important cues from the conversation? You know, I, I, I'm biracial, I'm half Indian, half white uh, American, and some of it is how people assume, so sometimes I'm brought in for things related to diversity. So I was looking at a conference at, at the 
panels that they had uh, decided. And you can tell a lot about an organization based on the titles that they give to things. So the titles of a session, the titles of a panel. You can tell how people, the assumptions people make. So the title of this uh, panel was Diversity, Necessary Evil or Competitive Advantage. And to me, either one of those framings is not what diversity is for. And the there's so much in the framing of their assumptions that it made me understand why they were having huge problems with diversity at their organization. Because if you either think that it's uh, you would do it because it is you know it makes you look good and it would you know it's not just intrinsically good or because you have to um, either way it shows a mindset about a topic um, that's very difficult to change so often if you're listening to people's language you can tell their assumptions about uh, the world through the language that they use mm. now on the other side of language is questions um, and I'm wondering what it like do you have go-to or favorite questions for certain types of gatherings? Yes. So, uh, you know, I think one is just um, tell me more. So we radically underestimate the, the, it's the journalist trick of just asking people to say more. Um, and often within a group, people are very uncomfortable with silence so as a leader or as a facilitator, if you can hold silence a little bit longer, that's often pe when people actually say what's going on or say something real because their, their un discomfort with silence is greater than their discomfort with blurting something out. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, different questions, you know, at a, you know, for example, a, say a team dinner, um, to opt for asking questions to get people's stories rather than their opinions. So tell me about a time where blah, 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 blah. Or um, what is an experience in your life that nobody else around the table has, you know, would know about as it relates to whatever the topic is that you're talking about, as it relates to merger and acquisition, as it relates to selling something you don't believe in, as it relates to hiring, as it relates to, you know, whatever you're talking about. And then otherwise, questions that help people talk about the parts that aren't working. So that's great. We know that this product is amazing or we know that we know that this wouldn't be a, you know, initiative if it didn't, you know, if it didn't have good attributes. Tell us about your worries about it. Tell us about, you know, what keeps you up at night. Tell us about elements that uh, you believe might go wrong. And basically getting asking questions f that trigger people to get off script. Hello, me again. I loved hearing how Priya thinks about language and the details of what people are really saying. I feel like this is a pretty rare thing given many people struggle to stay fully present in most conversations, let alone hone in on the subtleties behind what people are saying. So I hope you found this perspective useful and that, you know, maybe it might even impact on how you approach conversations and meetings that you have this week. So that is it for today. If you like this excerpt, you might want to listen to my full chat with Priya, which I'll link to in the show notes. And if you're enjoying how I work, I'd love it if you could take five seconds to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So leaving reviews actually makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. And thank you to all the wonderful people who have left five-star reviews and written some lovely words. It truly does make my day. So thank you very much. And I will see you next time.